Well, amen. We worship in this church because we believe that the way that we worship, the, the, the audible confessions of our mouth, what we say can change our circumstances, can change our atmosphere, can change what we're walking through, our perspective of what we're walking through. Because we worship Jesus, the living God, the one that's moving, the one that's powerful, the one that can actually bring life to you when you're sick and when you're dead and when you're broken, that can make you whole. So I'd rather worship that one than anything in this world that has nothing for me. So we worship Jesus in this place. So I, I, I pray and, I, and I'm believing that this morning you guys are feeling the love of Jesus Christ in this place. And it's so good to be here. We're going to wrap up this series of Philippians this morning. At Oasis, we, we believe in the Bible, we believe in the Word of God, we believe that this is our, our guide, this is our, our, our directing, but also this is, a, this is a playbook of promises, of hope, of life. Some people look at this, this is like a bunch of do's and don'ts, that's not what this is. Let me just say that, if you read this like a bunch of do's and don'ts, you're going to look at it like a bunch of do's and don'ts. Jesus didn't come to just change behaviors, he came to change hearts and give new eyes and fresh vision to people, Amen. So I'm going to read this morning as we tie up this series of Philippians. Have you enjoyed and been encouraged by this series in Philippians this past couple weeks? Anybody? Three of us. Awesome. Praise the Lord. I've been encouraged. It's awesome. This message this morning is entitled, A True Confidence. A True Confidence. And you can shout me down. You can say amen when I say stuff. You can... Just be like, keep going, or you don't tell me to stop. I did, please just don't say that. I'll just say, keep going. Come on, preach. But we believe in saying amen at this church because when we say amen, we're saying, God, let that be in my heart. What is said, what is spoken, I want that. So we're going to go in today. We're about to have church up in this place today. Church, like two-hour revival church, maybe four hours. Some of you are like, I didn't come here for four hours of service. I didn't come either. <laughs> so we'll be done very quickly, promise, because God can work in fast ways. Praise the Lord. But we're going we're gonna to preach this morning out of Philippians 3, 1 through 12. A true confidence. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. It's, it's a letter to the church at that time. And if, if, uh, Paul was very passionate about that church. He believed in that church. It was a church that supported him in his ministry here on earth. They were amazing friends of Paul. But Paul writes something here that I think is just an amazing way for us to wrap it up because it kind of ties it all together. We've talked about joy. We've talked about unity. We've talked about contentment. So Paul tells the church, what are you finding your contentment in? What are you finding your joy in? What are you finding hope in? And then he wraps it up. Even though it's chapter 3 and not the end of it, I believe this is important for us to finish out. A true confidence. Chapter 3, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. If you're still flipping through your Bibles, wondering your Philippians, that's okay. There's going to be a Bible up on the screen here. It says this, finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Pause. We spoke on that a couple weeks ago. Why is Paul saying it again? Because he wants us to remember again. Rejoice in the Lord. That's why when I wake up in the morning, I want to rejoice in the Lord because he is the only thing that is going to get me through my day. So Paul writes it again. Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Praising God is a safeguard. Whew. Thank you, Jesus, that praising the Lord and finding my refuge in Jesus, it's a safeguard for my life. Watch out for those dogs. Oh, Paul, you're crazy. What are you saying? It's kind of harsh. Watch out for those dogs 
those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. We'll talk about that. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul, what? It's a little cocky, Paul. It's a little bit, a little bit intense. You have more confidence than me? Here's what he's saying. Circumcised on the eighth day. We're not going to go there. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But, thank goodness for that but. But, I have a great resume. I have the best resume, per se, of what it was like at that time to be a follower of God. That's what he just went through, his resume of how he was the best at following God. But, Paul learned something. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus. The righteous that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Jesus in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And finally this, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this. Not that I have already obtained all this or already have been made perfect. Great news, none of us are perfect. If you think you are, gut check this morning. I'm not perfect, none of you all are perfect, and thank God that we don't have to be perfect to get to the throne room of Jesus Christ. He is working in us day in and day out. It is a process, it's a journey, and thanks be to God that every single one of us may be on a different part of the journey, but he is working in us. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, but I press on, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus, these are your words. We thank you for showing us the way, for giving us truth. Father, we pray that this morning your Holy Spirit will open up ears to hear, open up the hearts to receive. I pray that there's change. I pray that the way we walked in here, God, will leave here differently. So we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 A true confidence. A true confidence. I was a year out of college, and most of you know this about me. I, I played soccer all four years during my time away at school. I had the amazing privilege and opportunity to go play soccer, and it was great. It was, it was, it was awesome. And, and at that point in my life, being a, a, an athlete per se, I was pretty fit, right? Uh, we ran a lot. <laughs> soccer players just run. They just run for whatever reasons. I don't know why I picked that sport looking back on life. I'm not a runner. I don't like running, but we did a lot of it. We did a lot of training. We, we were up in the morning. We were training in the afternoon. We were lifting at night. My life revolved around training. And so as I graduated, that slowly started to diminish off of my life a little bit. That is why today I wear all black to hide myself. Anyways. Some of you got that. They're like, I don't understand. 
But as I graduated and it was in my first year out of school, I, I worked out a little bit. I, I trained a little bit here and there. I realized very quickly that I couldn't eat the stuff that I used to eat. I couldn't go to Taco Bell every night and crush three Crunchwrap Supremes and, and, and be able to wake up the next morning and burn it off. That no longer existed. I had to wake up and I had to train myself. I had to work out. I had to do those things. And one day, someone came to me as I was a, a part of then the football program and I was working with the team and they were putting on a, a, a triathlon, <laughs> a mini one, yes, a mini triathlon. And they came to me and said, we're raising money for, for whatever they were raising money for. I don't even remember. I think it was for the school. And they said, JP, will you participate in the triathlon? I said, yes, I will participate. I am an athlete. They're like, you got to swim, you got to bike, and you got to run. Are you good with that? Yeah. I said, how long do I have to prepare for? They said, three months. I said, three months? Come on, man. I'll, pr I'll train a week out and crush this thing. Stupid me. So I am progressing through training. What am I training? Just running. <laughs> Just running. I call my father. My dad is, is an amazing man, a strong man. You know what my father did, though? He did the Iron Man in Hawaii. Anybody ever seen the Iron Man in Hawaii? Those people are crazy. If any of you have ever done that, we love you. God bless you, but I don't understand it. But my father trained his whole life. He was a national swimmer. He, he, he went on to do the Iron Man, and he finished pretty well, actually, in it. So I called my father a month out of the triathlon, and I said, Dad, I'm doing a mini triathlon. He said, son, really? That's great. Have you got in the pool yet? The pool? Dad, no, I don't need to get in the pool. I'm an athlete. He said, son, have you ever swam laps in a pool? I said, dad, I run. I don't need to do laps in the pool. He said, son, you're a moron. You should probably get in the pool before you show up to the event because you may drown. I said, Dad, thanks so much for the encouragement. I love you. I'm going to do my best. Pray for me. And I hung up the phone. We didn't speak for the rest of the time about that. I show up to the pool that morning filled with confidence <laughs> with my swim trunks on. I'm looking over to the rest of the people swimming, and they got Speedos on. I got board shorts on. I don't have goggles. I'm looking around. They have caps and goggles. I have nothing. I'm looking around going, what did I just get myself? It, you know when you like realize something just dawned on you, like your life's over? That was that moment. I, I sat on the block, and I looked to my right, and I looked to my left, and I go, oh, snap. And as that's happening, I heed the words of my father in my head, like, son, I hope you don't drown. So the start happens. I jump in that pool like I am a tiger. I swim the first lap to the end, as God is my witness, as God is my witness, I swam to the first, all the way straight down. I turned around, and I looked around, and I was the first one. I was celebrating, and as God be true to this day, I felt as if an elephant was sitting on my chest. I could not breathe. I started suffocating. I am not kidding you. I had to swim 20 laps. It took me 45 minutes. I was doing this. I began to swim on my back. I just was hoping to God that I would just get out of the pool alive. This is a true story. I get out of the pool. I lay on the pool deck. My chest is exploding. The coaches, the swim coach comes over to me because he knew me very well. He comes over and he just is laughing. I'm like, please call 911. 
Like, don't laugh. This is not good. This is not good. By God's grace, I finished the triathlon. <laughs> I, got no, I got nothing for it, just pride. But how many of you know I stepped on that block? I stepped up ready to go in the confidence of who I was. In the confidence of what I had experienced. In the confidence that, hey, I'm an athlete. I can do this. I could not do it. I almost died. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for giving me life that day. But man, like, that is us. This is us. Right? As a follower of Jesus, or just life in general, whoever you are in this room, we're pretty confident in ourselves. We're, we're, we're pretty confident in, I can do this. I got this. I can get on a pool block, no matter if I've trained or not trained, just manage it. Just, just pull up my bootstraps and make it happen because that's who I am. I'm confident in myself. I am gifted. I am talented. I am who I am. And Paul writes to the church. Paul writes a beautiful letter to the church. And he says, huh, mm -mm. today, he says, finally, today, your confidence no longer can be found in who you are. But your confidence has to be found in Jesus Christ. No longer, church, are you, are you the one that has to have it all together. That you got to put the mask on every single morning when you step out of your apartment or your house. And you have to have it all together. No longer does it have to be you. No longer does it, does it have to have uh, the, the sense and the feeling that you're the captain of your own ship. That you're going to control your own destiny. And that you're going to make all the right moves because you're confident in yourself. No longer today. Paul says, finally, consider it loss. Consider it a loss. What you think you're called to do, just consider it a loss. What you think you have inside of you, consider it a loss. Yes, we are called to be create, courageous. So don't get this twisted. I, I say this often, right? We're called to be courageous as followers of Jesus. We're called to be strong, full of faith, never to be shaken. But it only happens through Jesus Christ. I, I found this in my life. I'm young in this. I'm 30. Pray for a brother. I'm feeling it more than ever today. But I have found in these short years of serving Jesus that I have put my confidence in so many other things and they have left me empty. They have left me voided. They, they have left me without the things of God. And, and I, I, I see this and I, and I think, man, Paul is expressing to the church. He's writing so passionately to the church that he loves he loves this church, so he's writing a letter to him, and he's saying, would you rather have the best of heaven or the best of you? Some of you are sitting here going, I'd rather have the best of me, and that's okay. I, I, but for me, I had the best of me for a long time. And I would wake up feeling a void that was so big. I'd wake up feeling empty and, and, and broken, and, and I would think, man, I could just think my way through this, or I could just will my way through this, and I realized very quickly that I would rather have heaven's best than my best. I would rather consider it all lost for the sake of knowing Christ and his love that he has for me. How many of you want to know the love that Jesus has for you? How many of you want to experience the supernatural love, the thing that can't be explained, it can't be told properly, it, it, our words show no value to it, the love of Jesus Christ is unexplainable. 
When people come and talk to me, they're like, how do you know Jesus loves you? I go, guys, to be honest with you, it's so hard to put it into words. But I do know this, that when I was choosing my best, I was dead. <laughs> I was so dead. I was so broken. I was so much in pain. I'm not saying every single one of you have to have a testimony like this. I pray to God that you don't all have testimonies like that. But I knew what it felt like to be in this place. And then when I stepped into this place, acknowledging by faith, because this thing does take a step of faith. It does. Call it like it is. It takes us a step of faith to cross over to this line and say, all right, this may not make sense. It's a little bit weird in here. It's awkward. But you know what? I feel the love of Jesus in my life. Paul says, finally, finally, church, do you consider this a loss? Or do you consider this a gain to know Jesus Christ? Do you consider it a loss to, to, to be the man and the woman that you're walking today? Or do you consider it a gain to be the man and woman that God's called you to be for eternity? Do you want to drown in the pool? <laughs> do you want to drown in the pool? Or do you want to walk on water? Do you want to drown in the pool, JP? Or do you want to walk on the waters? Do you want to be dead in the, at the bottom of the pool or do you want to be raised to life when the, G, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords invade your heart? Do you want to walk on water or do you want to be drowned in the pool? Do you want confidence in yourself or do you maybe just want to surrender? I surrender. We didn't even talk. Jordan and I didn't even talk that week. That's just how good the Spirit of God is, is that a song, I surrender. I'm just giving it all to you. I, I consider everything else a loss. A loss. I want to know you, Jesus. Because, man, when I, when I tasted that love, nothing else will compare. No high, no drug, no relationship, nothing. I'm telling you right now, Jesus, the purest love, the purest grace, the purest, whoo. Sometimes I'm just talking to me. In this lifetime, it's better to take the L, a.k.a. the loss. You all like, take the L. We take the L all the time. It's better to take the L, the loss of this world, than to lose out on your soul. We choose today either we choose rubbish or a royal priesthood. We choose rubbish today or we choose a royal priesthood. And if we want to press on, we got to press in. Three things like we do every week because I believe that church should not only just encourage you here, but you should be able to take stuff with you Monday through Saturday. So take notes. Write it down. Because this may encourage you this week, next week, the week to come, the month to come. You may look back at your notes and be like, my goodness, this is what I needed today to encourage you. Because the word of God is living, it's active, it's breathing, it's powerful, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Amen? First thing is this, Paul's writing to us. He's saying, take the L. Take it. <laughs> take the loss. In sports, right? A lot. I'm a sports guy. You guys are like, we're done with the sports analogies. Please, we've heard them all. Guess what? You come to this church, you're going to get them all the time. But there was times as, as an athlete that I would be on the field and I would just be like, we're done. <laughs> True story. Like, oh, no, you got to have, no, we're down 6 nothing. There's two minutes left. I think we're good to go here. I'm going to take the L. <laughs> like, no, seriously, there's people on there that, that would get so mad, but it's just reality, right? Like, there's just sometimes you look at a sports, you look at a game, and you're just like, we got to take the loss. <laughs> We're not going to be able to come back from this. My wife is amazing. I love her to death. She's so encouraging. We sit there and watch the games all the time on TV. Steelers fans are going to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be awesome, and it's going to be glory to God in the highest, right? So I sit there, and I watch it, and as the game goes on, and maybe they're losing, I'm always like, come on. You're kidding me? 
And by the time it's almost the end of the game, I'm like, they're done. Just turn it off. I don't want to watch it. And she's like, you're so negative. <laughs> like, why are you yelling at me? She's like, you're so negative. They could come back. I'm like, babe, they're down 40 points with two minutes left. Like, we just got to take the L here. She's like, no, they're going to come back. I'm like, what? Do you know sports? Like, it's cool. Come here. We'll cuddle. But no, seriously, like, there are times in sports, right? There's times in those times when you just have to say, we just got to take the loss. Time to move to the next one. On to the next one. On to the next one. There's no coming back. When it comes to Jesus, though, we have to come to the confidence and the assurance that, and the resolve, we're going to take the loss. What? Jesus is victorious. Jesus is conquering. Jesus is king. What do you mean we're going to take a loss? I don't want to take a loss. This is, this is not the church I want to be a part of. No, I'm saying we need to take the loss of what we want, of what we desire, of the things of this world, and we need to take the eternal win and victory of Jesus Christ and his kingdom that never fades, that never ends, that is going to carry us to eternity. We need to have the assurance, the resolve, the deep resolve within our spirit set. We're going to take the loss. It's not about me. It's not about JP. It's not about all these things that he's doing or what he has done or what he's going to do. It's not about that. It is about the victory in Jesus Christ. I want to consider that all loss, and I want to rest in the victory, the, the, the biggest Super Bowl of all time, which is Jesus looking down at you saying, you are my child with whom I am pleased. I am for you. I am not against you. I'm going to extend my hand to you to pull you out of the fire, to pull you out of the pit. And guess what? You're going to get to walk in victory with me. But we settle. I settle. I'm like, man, the victory over here is really good. Praise the Lord. That happens. And then I get over here. I'm like, I can figure this out. I can be better. God, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. And then I have to come to resolve. That's going to get me nowhere. That, that's, that's not going to ever take me to where God's called me. That's never going to take me to the purpose and to the destiny that God's called me. This, the victory in Jesus Christ, that will take me to where he's called me to be. How many of you want to be victorious in Jesus Christ? Three of us. How many of you want to walk in victory in Jesus Christ? No, this is serious because this, listen, this will take you. This will take you. What did I say last week? This will, this will take you from there to here. If you wake up every day and you realize in your heart and you come to the resolve that, you know what? I'm not as good as I thought I was. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not strong enough. I don't have it all together. I've been wearing masks, and people don't really know what I'm going through and the pain that I'm walking through and the things that I've, I've heard all my life and the words that have been spoken over me that have, have taken deep root that I need to go. I, I, I just I don't have it all together. Good news? You can lose that stuff today. You can leave that stuff today. You can take the loss today of that stuff, and you can step into the victory of Jesus Christ. Because, see, Paul gives us the best resume of all time when it comes to, at that time, a follower of Jesus. He gives us his best resume. Paul says, hey, listen, <laughs> I'm the best. <laughs> Thanks, Paul, you're awesome. Little what? He says, no, I, I have the best resume when it comes to being a follower of God. But guess what? When Jesus knocked me off my horse... <laughs> And blinded me and changed me from Saul to Paul and showed me the love and the supernatural grace of Jesus Christ. All my resume just threw it out the window. Nothing matters 
Nothing else matters. Many of you don't understand what just happened. See, what happened was is this. The guy that wrote this, that created and, 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 and wrote half of this book of the New Testament, he was not always a loving, going, happy-go-lucky Christian follower of Jesus Christ. He was persecuting the church. He was running after people and, and persecuting them for faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus reached down because Jesus will reach the worst of the worst. And he'll say, no, I'm going to use you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to take you. And I'm going to take you from where you think you should be to where I'm going to call you to go. So take the wasp. Take the wasp, Saul. Lose Saul. Take Paul. <laughs> Lose Saul. All that Saul had, all that, this was his name. He had a name change. Lose Saul and take up the calling that Paul has on his life. Some of you need to leave your old life behind today and take up the life that God's destined for you from the very beginning of time. Take the loss. Take the loss. Well, today more than ever, hashtag gains. What's going on? No, seriously, like, I, 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 I'm fascinated by hashtags. Fascinated. The stuff that people come up with, it's amazing. But the hashtag gains, that's like a big, just in the gym, gains. Just out to dinner, gains. I'm like, gains? Like, what are, what are we talking about here? But no, we, we, will, we will show off the, the gains of ourselves to everybody. Beware of Instagram and social media. It's everybody's highlights. It's not everybody's lowlights. They'll show your best self on Instagram. That's not reality. Sermon another time. Instead of putting hashtag gains, why don't we just say hashtag Jesus, whatever you want. I don't need to gain notoriety. I don't need to gain fortune and, and fame. I don't need to gain any of that stuff because if you're not in it, I don't want to be in it. If you're not with me in it, I don't want to go there with it. I don't need anything else except what you have for me because what if you don't have for me, it's a loss. It's a loss. If he's not in it, don't do it. If he hasn't called you to do it, don't step out and go and do it. I want to move to Africa. Great. Awesome. Has God commanded you and called you and is he in it? If he's in it, go. If he's not, stay home. Well, I just want to find Mr. Right. Great. Stop going to the club and looking for him because when the lights turn on, you're going to be like, whoa, I didn't know you looked like that. Amen. No, seriously, like, if you want a spouse, if you want a godly man, a godly woman, someone that's going to do life together with you, God can be in it. Invite him into it. You want to start a business? Make sure God's called you to start the business and make sure God's in it. Because if he's not in it, don't do it. Because it's not gains. It's Jesus, whatever you have for me. Because if you don't have it for me, it's a loss. It's a loss. I would rather sit right here, here, and never move. As long as Jesus is here. I don't need food. I need food. I don't need water. You know, like you need water after three days. It's important. I, I, I don't want to leave here unless Jesus is in it. Because if he's not in it, it's a loss. If he hasn't called me in it, it's a loss. I'd rather gain the victory of heaven than the loss of the world. Count the L. Take the L today because it's going to be a lot better I'm telling you, it'll save you heartache. It will save you pain. It will, save, it, it, it will save you a lot. Just take the L because when Jesus is in it, when the main thing remains the same thing, the main thing, Jesus, he can do great things. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Mark 8, 6. 
You want, a, you want a Bible verse to go along with what I'm saying? Mark 8, 36. What is it gain? To get everything. To have it all. But to forfeit your soul. To lose your soul. To lose your heart. To lose the desire to seek after Jesus. You gain nothing. You're left with nothing. It's time to get out of the driver's seat and let God start driving. Take the loss. I promise you. Is it scary? <laughs> yeah. Does it always make sense? No. I'm not going to sit up here as a preacher and be like, oh, it's going to make so much sense. You're going to get it all together always. No. It's called faith. When you step into faith and when you start to operate in Jesus and you start to move the way that he wants you to move, you start to get it better. You start to understand it more and you start to operate in the supernatural grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Take the loss of the world and gain a heavenly victory. Choose Jesus every day, every hour, every minute. I need you. Second thing is this. You choose, do you want rubbish or do you want royalty? I wanted to say it in a British accent. Couldn't. You want rubbish? You want royalty? I had a couple Brit teammates, two of them. They were awesome. They were wild and crazy guys. But I showed up as a freshman and I was started to play with them and on the field and I'd make a terrible play and they'd be like, "Bro, you're rubbish." And I'd be like, "What are you saying? I don't understand. Like, tell me the word. Like, can you can you?" They're like, "You're rubbish, bro. This is oh, rubbish." Ah, oh. I'd be like, "What?" And then I read Paul writes it. I was like, "What?" Paul's British. I'm just kidding. Bad joke. But how many of you know that it was, it was the highest compliment, truthfully? And they'll tell you this. If they, if they were standing here. It would be the highest compliment if they stopped saying, you're rubbish, bro. If they just cut that out, it would be the highest compliment to me. No, seriously. And when I, when I achieved that, I was like, I have arrived. Thank you, Lord. Because they stopped saying it to me. They started saying a lot of other things, but they just stopped saying that. But Paul writes, when you take the loss, when you consider what this world has, and you say, I don't want it, I don't need it. It, it. it doesn't even compare to the surpassing greatness of who Jesus is. It doesn't compare. You can't hold anything to it. You can't, you can't compare anything at all to it. Nothing, nothing means nothing can compare to the surpassing greatness of Jesus' love, of his grace, of his mercy. So guess what? I will consider everything else rubbish. You choose today. You want rubbish? Or do you want a royalty? I want royalty. <laughs> I, I want royalty. Not in a prideful way. Not in an arrogant way. Not a look at me, I'm better than everybody else way. No, I want the royalty of God. I want the royalty of Jesus. I want the royalty of the heavens to come and fall on my life, on my marriage, on my family, on this church. I want the royalty of the... I don't want rubbish. I want royalty. Well, is that even in scripture? Is that a part of God's word? Are we called to be royal? Oh, yeah. Let me read it. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Just let that soak in for a second. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Jesus is writing these words through the apostles. He says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Thank God that I'm his special possession. Thank God that each and every one of you are God's special possessions. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. You are a royal priesthood, no longer needing the things of this world to satisfy, but needing the living water of Jesus Christ to satisfy you. You want rubbish or you want royalty? You choose today. You make the decision. You want to live in this or do you want to walk in that? Do you want to stay drowning in this or do you want to walk on the water over here? I want royalty. I want to be called a royal priesthood. I want to be called a child of the Most High. I want to be, I want to be looked down from heaven and say, yes, keep going, my son. Keep walking. You may fall, but guess what? You're going to fall, and I'm going to pick you back up. You're a royal priesthood today. We are declared by it by God. Jordan, come on up. We're closing up. Some of you are like, I thought it was four hours. Is this encouraging you? It's a loss today. True confidence? It's found when we just lose the things of this world and when we stop choosing rubbish, when we start choosing, stop choosing garbage, when we stop choosing the things of this world, that if you really just look at it, what has it done for you? Just like, just, just look at it with those lenses. Take the lenses off that you have on and just put the lenses on and just say, really, has it done anything for me? If it has, tell me. I, I would love to dialogue and talk. But for me, I know what it has never done for me. And that has loved me, wrapped its arms around me, told me who I was, give me confidence, give me, give me assurance, give me rest that I can only find in Jesus Christ. True confidence. True confidence today. The third thing is this. You press on by pressing in. He writes it, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You press on by pressing in. It's not just keeping on to keep on. I'm just here to keep going until I meet heaven. I'm just here, just here, just waiting. No, God's called us to press on, to press in, to, to, to experience the abundant life that he has for us, to experience the joy that is unspeakable, to experience the peace that can't even be explained, that surpasses all understanding, to experience the, the call that God has for your life, the, the commission that God has for your life. It is, it is only found when we press on and when we press in. He didn't call us just to sit here on earth and do nothing. He didn't call us just to sit in on a Sunday and receive and walk out of here and just go into our homes and hide. Because this world's dark. It's crazy. No, you are the light of the world. A holy people. A royal priesthood. So press on in that. Find hope in that. Find assurance in that. You press in. I, I, I want to close with this thought, if that's all right. We're going to pray for people. I, I really pray that, that God is encouraging you and speaking to you. Pressing in allows you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Pressing in. So you press on by pressing in. So if we're going to press in, what does that mean? What does that phrase mean? And as I was studying and as I was reading, I was like, man, how, how can I make an analogy and how can I do all this and just, to just get this a point across to people? That, that when we press into God, man, we are transformed, we are changed, we are renewed. What is dead comes to life. What is broken is made whole. I say that all the time. But if you just press into God, I promise you, your life will change. Well, how do I press in, JP? What does that mean? I went to scripture. And I, and I was just reading this week, and I was wondering, man, how, what is an example? Because oftentimes when we go to press in with God, when we go to, to sit at fa the Father's feet, you know what starts to happen? Lies. 
You hear the voices of the evil one. You, you hear thoughts of destruction, of despair, uh, of depression and anxiety. You hear things that, that God's not speaking. You're like, I'm here to press in and all I'm getting is this. I don't want to press in anymore. And we get up and we leave. So then we feel ga- guilt and shame that we didn't stay where God has called us to stay. We didn't, we didn't sit at his feet and be changed and renewed. Maybe this is just me. This is how it works for me. So go with me. Bear with me. Play nice. But as I, I've looked at scripture and I, I watched the, what does it mean to press in when we press in and all this stuff happens? How do I pick myself up and get back into the Father's presence? How do I press in deeper so that I can press on? And I saw something fascinating. Peter, one of Jesus' 12 homies, they, were, they walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They saw Jesus do miracles, signs and wonders, heal people, make the deaf hear, make the blind see, make the lame walk. Jesus did all this and the people that were with him, the 12, including Peter, saw it. Saw it. They heard Jesus teach. They heard him preach. Man, if I could have sat there and done it, woo, that would have been awesome. And Peter had all the teaching in the world, the best preaching in the world. Man, talk about the best preacher, Jesus. (laughs) So they got to sit with him and hear from him all the time. And guess what Peter does? (laughs) He denies Jesus three times. Right when Jesus is going to the cross, he says to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, uh-uh, I'm never going to do that. I love you, Jesus. What are you talking about? I'm with you, Jesus. And guess what Peter does? Denies Jesus three times. You're one of Jesus' followers. No, I'm not. You're one of those guys. No, I'm not. You are. No. Could you imagine the guilt and the shame of denying the one that you saw do the supernatural, the one that is going to a cross because he's done nothing wrong, nothing, but he's going to the cross for humanity? Could you imagine sitting there as Peter? I can't get before the Father ever again. I've just made the biggest mistake of all mistakes. I denied Jesus. What? A... But then fast forward, right? Jesus dies on a cross. He raises to life three days later, and that's where we find our victory and hope. And he says to his people, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to sit at the Father's right hand. But I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit with you, someone greater than me. Someone greater, someone more powerful than me. My spirit is going to dwell with you here on earth. Uh, Imagine the guilt, though, and the shame, though, that Peter's sitting there hearing Jesus talk about this. Like, no, Jesus, can you just forgive me? Like, I can't press in right now. I, I, I messed up. I've done too much wrong. I haven't taken the L. I haven't taken the loss. I haven't, I've chosen rubbish over royalty. I can't press in to press on. I can't press on with you, God. Jesus says, no. You want to press in? Go and wait. Go and wait. Wait? Who am I waiting for? I'm wrapping up. Don't worry. Some of you are like, how long is this story going to go? It says, go wait. Wait for my spirit to fall. Wait for my spirit to come and move on behalf of you. And while you wait, my children, my disciples, my followers, while you wait, pray. Seek after me. Share with each other. Love each other. Go into this. Press in for a little bit. And I promise you, as you press in, I'm going to pour out. As you press in, I'm going to pour out. As you press in, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit into that room, into that place. And you're going to be changed. You're going to be transformed. You're never going to be who you used to be. So Peter goes and he presses in. Peter. Remember, denies Jesus. Dude denies Jesus. And then presses in. 
and receives the Spirit of God. And as he receives the Spirit of God, I don't know about you, but I get pumped about this. He steps out of the house. <laughs> like, yo! Yo! I denied him once. I'm never going to do that again. I pressed in. I'm going to press on. So, hey, everybody out there. Let me tell you about the greatest news of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about his cross and his love and his grace and his mercy that saved me when I was denying him, that saved me when I was lost. I don't need the world. I don't need the things of this world. I'm going to press on. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go all in. I'm all in, God. Shouldn't have had 12 espressos today. I feel like my heart is like... In that pool. I'm serious though. Peter shows us the greatest thing of what it means to press in. And as Peter pressed in, as those people pressed into God, they pressed on in supernatural ways. Was it glamorous? Was it cool? Was everybody for them? Did everybody like them? But they had the approval of heaven more than the approval of man. I want the approval of heaven for each and every one of you. I want the approval of Jesus Christ for each and every one of you. I want you to look Jesus face to face and say, Jesus, I choose you. I choose you over the things of this world. I choose you over rubbish. I want your royalty. I want a crown of royalty placed upon me. I want to step when you step. I want to walk when you walk. I want to move when you move. I want to go where you've called me to go. I want to do the things that you've called me to do because I'm going to press on and I'm going to continue to press in. I'm going to continue to trust your spirit to do the supernatural workings of Jesus Christ in my life. Today. You want true confidence? True confidence or do you want your confidence? You want heaven's best or you want your best? Today you choose. This isn't a twisting of the arm. This isn't manipulation whatsoever. I don't ever want to be known as that, ever. But I think Jesus is speaking to some of us today. Are, are you done? Are you done yet? Do you want to come home? <laughs> you want to come home? You want to come rest in me? <laughs> you want to come sit at my feet? You want to hear how much I love you? Jesus isn't doing this. He's like this. Are, are you done? I just imagine Jesus in heaven just waving his hands like, come on. Come back. Take the walls. Find confidence in me. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us this morning. Because I, I, I believe that there's some people here this morning that just need to consider the things of this world a loss. And claim the victory of heaven in Jesus Christ over their life. It may not make sense. It may not have an emotional feel to it. But you just feel a soft voice just pressing on your heart. And you feel, you feel like you're done. You're tapping out. You're giving up the confidence of yourself. And you're taking the confidence of Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we do this often here at this church because we believe that this is the moment where adoption happens, a spiritual, supernatural adoption, where Jesus is going to transform a life here in this place, where Jesus is going to, to show you the, the greater plans, the greater purpose, the royalty of heaven in your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one's looking around. This is a moment. I want to give that opportunity for you. If you want to choose Jesus this morning, if you want to say, hey, you know what, I want to surrender my life. I want to, I want to, I want to surrender this world. I want to count it a loss for knowing the surpassing greatness of Jesus. On the count of three, I just want you to slip your hand up. 
On the count of three, I just want you to slip your hand up in faith, trusting and believing that Jesus is going to meet you. He's right next to you. He's talking to you. He's holding your hand. He's for you. So on the count of three, just slip your hand up. One, he loves you. Two, he died for you. Three, he wants to spend eternity with you. If you're in the room, slip your hand up right now. Hands are going up. Hands are up. Amen. 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 Would you just pray this with me? It's a prayer together as a family. We're all going to pray this out in faith, believing. Jesus, I receive you today. I acknowledge you are my Lord, my King, and my Savior. Wash me. Forgive me. I am yours, and you are mine. I leave this world, and I chase after you. I am a new creation. I receive your Holy Spirit. I love you. I trust you. And we bless you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person that lifted their hand, God, that heaven is throwing a party and is rejoicing. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to move, you'll continue to speak, you'll continue to guide them. God, that the world will grow, grow dim, God, and that your cross will be lit in their eyes, God, that your grace will be what they receive, that your mercy will fill them, God. So we trust you. We believe in you. Come on, church, if you believe this this morning, why don't you stand to your feet and celebrate the goodness of Jesus Christ? Come on, church.